Today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I came out of my mom and I already had toxins, right? We now know that there are studies. The latest study that I saw was 287 different chemicals found in cord blood, in a baby's cord blood, right? And so I came out, I already had toxins. I ate lots of gluten and dairy. And unfortunately, it constipated me when I was growing up. And so I pooped like once a week which meant that I couldn't get the toxins out of my body and I just kept reabsorbing those, right? And so then I, there wasn't such thing as organic back in the 80s. So I was eating lots of food with pesticides. And then I lived in a place that had mold and I kissed somebody who had Epstein-Barr slash mono. And I went to medical school and I got chemicals from Gross Anatomy Lab and I drove across country and I drank out of plastic hot water bottles that were leaching the plastic into the water and then I was drinking them, right? And then I had relationships with other people who had Lyme disease. And so I got Lyme. I also grew up in New Jersey. And so I was bitten by ticks and mosquitoes. And then I traveled to India and I got parasites, right? So it just accumulates over time. And then all of a sudden there was a straw that broke the camel's back which was the stress that I had from being a new father, running a practice, not having a good practice manager, and I just couldn't tolerate it anymore and went downhill, right? So it wasn't all of a sudden, it was a buildup. Hello, hello, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. And today I talk with Mr. Energy MD himself, Dr. Evan Hirsch. We talked all about your fatigue and how he's figured out the 10 categories for you to really examine as potential causes for your fatigue and his four-step process to improve it. Before we get started though, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. If you are an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you're placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 30 different labs in one single place for free. Thank goodness. No need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. If you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's start the show. Dr. Evan Hirsch, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today. Dr. Carey, thanks so much for having me on. Well, first of all, for those who don't know, Dr. Evan is a fellow Pacific Northwesterner like myself. And I know we have to celebrate this because I feel like a lot of the people I talk to are East Coast or California, but us Northwesterners, we have to stick together. That's the truth. Well, today we're talking all about energy just because it's probably the number one complaint people have. I have low energy, I'm tired, fatigue, et cetera. And who better to talk about it than Mr. Energy MD himself? So before we jump in, will you let the listeners know a little bit about yourself and who you are, what you do, what you stand for, and how you got into this? Sure. So I'm on a mission to help a million people increase their energy so they can have more fun and success in their lives because who wants to live a life without reaching your potential, right? And way too often, our energy is drained by these deficiencies and toxicities that we're going to be talking about today that don't allow us to be our best selves. And so we combine the best of functional medicine, so natural medicine, conventional medicine, and a lot of environmental medicine, which I really think singles us out, where we're focusing a lot on heavy metals, chemicals, molds, and all sorts of different kinds of infections, including the newest player on the block, long COVID, because we find that that really shifts the needle a ton and helps people get their energy back. And just personally, I love musicals. The way that I get resilient is that I sing. That's one of my big vagal maneuvers is that I sing, I play basketball and go for walks with my family. And so that's kind of trying to make sure that I have the joy in my life and do our energy mindset practice, which we can get, definitely get into today, has been really helpful for me maintaining my health throughout what's been happening in the pandemic the last couple of years and since I got fatigued so many years ago and got over it. I was going to say, like you actually understand when people will, if they go to your site or your book, like they'll see your history. You were from a career standpoint on top of the world, from an energy standpoint at the bottom, polar opposite. So you 
absolutely understand when people come to you and go, I am so tired. I can't go to work. I can't help my children. All I do is lay on the couch or want to lay on the couch, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Yeah. I had a seven figure brick and mortar business. And so I was bringing in a, a ton of money, but I was sleeping under the desk several times a day with my door closed so that nobody would know that I had fatigue and I was pushing through every single day until finally I said, F this. I was already practicing functional medicine and I just wasn't applying it to myself. I mean, I was doing lifestyle and diet and I was gluten-free and all those things that I was supposed to be doing, but I was like, I'm missing something. And I was replacing the deficiencies, but it was really these environmental toxicities that I didn't know a lot about, that I wasn't focused on, that I hadn't applied to myself. And when I started doing that, my world just kind of opened up to me and I figured out, oh yeah, I've got mercury and I've got lead and I've got lots of chemicals and infections and molds and all this other stuff that was really inhibiting me from living my best life. And I, for many people who are listening, and you know this, I used to work for, I used to be the medical director of the Dutch test. So I would see cortisol as an example, cortisol results, thousands of them. And people would have perfectly normal cortisol results and they would go, you're wrong. Your test is wrong because I'm so tired. And I'm like, well, believe it or not, cortisol is not the only reason that you're tired. There are a lot of other reasons for fatigue, which is really what I want to get into kind of the stepwise pattern today, because there are, with some exaggeration, a million reasons for fatigue, but you have it broken up into categories to make it digestible for people. So can we start there? We already know I'm tired, fatigue, low energy is a top symptom but why? Why is it such a top symptom? So there's these 33 different causes. And so I don't say that so that people get overwhelmed. In fact, do not get overwhelmed by that because you just have to figure out which ones you have and then you work through it, knock them off one by one. But you divide those, I divide those into deficiencies, so things that are not in the body that are supposed to be in the body, and toxicities, things that are in the body that aren't supposed to be there, right? And pretty much any condition that you see out there, whether it's fatigue or otherwise, really can be divided up into these things. And so when we're looking at the deficiencies, should I just jump in and start talking about them? Yeah, 100%. So when we're looking at the deficiencies, we're looking at deficiencies in hormones. So adrenal gland, thyroid gland, sex hormones, whether it's testosterone, estrogen, or progesterone. We're looking at deficiencies in vitamins and minerals, deficiencies in neurotransmitters, deficiencies in mitochondrial function, which is supposed to be making 70 to 90% of our energy and is in every cell in the body except for red blood cells. And then deficiencies in lifestyle habits, not enough water, not enough good food, not enough movement, not enough sleep. So those are all the things that are deficiencies. Which for a lot of people listening, I hope you're listening to this going, so you mean it's more than just like, what pill can I take? What's the one herb I can take to get all my energy back? I mean, that's, I love the way you broke it down. Okay, now go into toxicities, go into what's in the body that shouldn't be. Well, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because whether it's conventional medicine or whether it's natural medicine, way too many people are looking for the magic bullet. And yes, there is research to be like, okay, we took... 10 people or 20 people who had fatigue and we gave them all magnesium and this is what's happened. And so you should take magnesium. But the thing is, is that the next step is, do you have a magnesium deficiency? Because the reason why something is going to work versus somebody else is whether or not they have that particular cause. You know, way too often people are like, hey, Joe Schmo over here got a B12 shot and it totally changed his life. I got one and it didn't make a difference. What's the matter with me? It's like, well, you didn't have a B12 deficiency, right? So that's such an important part of this process. And when we get into like the four-step process and, and assessment and step one, we'll talk a little bit more about that. And even that for Joe Schmo, who got a B12 shot and felt better because they had a deficiency, you advocate for even like, well, why do you have a B12 deficiency in the first place? Like we still have to peel that layer of the onion back just because you deficient in B12. We don't stop there, right? You have to keep going. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. You're just like serving these things up for me so perfectly. <laughs> so yeah, so we're going to move into talking about the toxicities. We have to realize that 80% of the deficiencies are caused by the toxicities, right? So you were just talking about, well, why does so-and-so need a B12 shot? Well, that's because they've got toxicities that are binding up their B12 or infections that are consuming their B12, etc. So this process is really all about removing the toxicities, but we can't go directly at the toxicities because you're just going to feel worse. And why is that? It is because these toxicities are very much bound to our 
human self, our human organism, and to extricate them, to pull them out, upsets the whole process. And then to get them out of the body requires certain, if you picture them as like these tubes, or if you picture them like slides, right? These slides have to be open in order to slide these toxins out of the body. If they're congested, like everybody's are who have fatigue, then guess what? You take these heavy metals, you try to pull them into a drainage pathway, and they just go right back into a different spot because they can't get out of the body. They're just, they're stuck. Which, well, let me go back and ask my first question first. You mentioned there are 33 reasons for fatigue. How often do you find people have more than one reason? Every time. All the time. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. so everybody who has low energy has a combination of 20 plus causes. Now, part of this has to do with the fact that there are the deficiencies, right? So I talked about most of these deficiencies are caused by the toxicity. So if you have mold plus an infection, which is... 90% of all the people we see, for the most part, then that can cause all of the deficiencies that we talked about, adrenals, thyroid, mitochondria, et cetera, right? So it ends up becoming a lot more that can be fixed by focusing on the toxicities. Can you run through examples of toxicities? I mean, you mentioned mold, but what specifically, if someone's listening to this, and maybe the idea of toxicity or the idea of mold is new to them, or they're just dabbing, they're dipping their toe into it. Like, what do you mean by toxicity and with examples? Yeah, so a toxin or toxicant is basically something that's in the environment that gets into your body that's not supposed to be there. So when we look at things like heavy metals, and I'm gonna, I'll run through the list just to give you an overview, and then I'll come back and I'll do a little bit more specifics. So heavy metals, chemicals, molds, infections, allergies, negative emotional patterns, and electromagnetic fields, okay? So when we look at heavy metals, we're talking about the fact that there's three over 100,000 pounds of mercury that are dumped into our oceans every single year that come from coal plants throughout the world, right? So anything you consume from the oceans has the potential of giving you mercury toxicity. If you have silver fillings, we call them silver fillings because it's not nice to call them mercury fillings, but they're generally 50% silver and 50% mercury, right? We know that mercury is a toxin, a neurotoxin, and but it's still being used in some of these other avenues. The Unfortunately, the ADA, American Dental Association, says they're not concerned about what happens below the neck. And so that's their rationale for continuing to use mercury fillings. With lead, over 70% of all conventional lipsticks still have lead in them. And any home built before 1971 potentially has lead paint, which ends up in the dust and can very easily be consumed by humans, right? And that's just some of them. Cadmium from firsthand smoke or secondhand smoke. There's a lot of other toxins, thallium and aluminum from all sorts of, from everything from deodorant to chemtrails or whatever, right? So there's a lot of toxins. So that's just heavy metals. I just wanted, with the going back to mercury, I mean, I think even people don't realize that when they go eat their beloved sushi, that a lot of that fish put you at risk. Exactly. So it doesn't have to be, if somebody's listening to this going, well, I don't have silver fillings and I don't live near a coal plant. And they're trying to justify or make it feel better. Like I'm never around cadmium, but yet fish is a big player in the form of sushi, which is so popular. Be aware. It's aluminum, the aluminum, even aluminum cans, aluminum foil, like just be aware. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And this isn't to overwhelm folks. It's just to make them aware, right? So we just want you to, if you make a change, the thing is, is that as humans, we overestimate the amount we can get done in a day and we underestimate the amount we can get done in a year. And if you made one change in what we're talking about today in terms of removing heavy metals or removing chemicals from your life or whatever, one change a month, in a year, you would have made 12 really significant changes and your life will be incredibly different, right? When I went into residency, I was like, man, do I really want to invest three years of my life in learning about family medicine? It's like, yeah, because then I can use my MD and help so many people for the next 50 years or something like that. So it's really an investment when we're talking about all this stuff in terms of time and money and energy, but there's a huge reward on the backside. I love that. That was so good. Okay, next category. Yeah, well, I I really appreciate you saying that too, because yeah, the bigger the fish, the more mercury there's going to be in there, right? So tuna, swordfish, halibut, those are the bigger fishies, right? So if you are going to eat fish, you want to make sure that you're consuming some of the smaller guys like guppies. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody eats guppies. 
<laughs> like anchovies and sardines. Those are the ones. And you can make a pretty mean tuna fish. I call, my wife makes a sardine fish where you're putting in the pickles and the mayo and whatever, you know, it can taste like tuna fish. So let's go into chemicals. So there's like 86,000. When I used to give this talk, it used to be 84,000. Now it's 86,000 different chemicals that we're exposed to on a regular basis that we're not supposed to be exposed to that haven't been appropriately assessed by government bodies to protect us. In fact, there's, there's one study where women are exposed to about 500 different chemicals before they walk out of the door in the morning for those who still commute. And men are exposed to about 300. And a lot of that has to do to cosmetics, what is the soap that you're using? What's the shampoo? What are you putting on your face? Skin is the largest organ in the body and incredibly absorptive. So anything, all these nanoparticle products that are out there, unfortunately, you put them on their skin and directly into the bloodstream, and then you're building up toxins. And this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Like all these things, it's basically you're getting hits, stressful hits, and you're getting exposed to toxins throughout your life. And until you start to get symptoms. So I'm going to digress for a moment, just tell you a little bit about my story. So I came out of my mom and I already had toxins, right? We now know that there are studies, the latest study that I saw was 287 different chemicals found in cord blood, in a baby's cord blood, right? And so I came out, I already had toxins. I ate lots of gluten and dairy. And unfortunately, it constipated me when I was growing up. And so I pooped like once a week which meant that I couldn't get the toxins out of my body and I just kept reabsorbing those, right? And so then I, there wasn't such thing as organic back in the 80s. So I was eating lots of food with pesticides. And then I lived in a place that had mold and I kissed somebody who had Epstein-Barr slash mono. And I went to medical school and I got chemicals from Gross Anatomy Lab. And I drove across country and I drank out of plastic hot water bottles that were leaching the plastic into the water and then I was drinking them, right? And then I had relationships with other people who had Lyme disease. And so I got Lyme. I also grew up in New Jersey. And so I was bitten by ticks and mosquitoes. And then I traveled to India and I got parasites, right? So it just accumulates over time. And then all of a sudden there was a straw that broke the camel's back which was the stress that I had from being a new father, running a practice, not having a good practice manager, and I just couldn't tolerate it anymore and went downhill, right? So it wasn't all of a sudden. It was a buildup, right? No, no, this is going to be helpful. I think a lot of people are going to relate to the amount where they're going to go, oh, that sounds similar. That was me. That was me. That was me. That sounds kind of like me. It's the bucket analogy, right? Like oh, your bucket can handle so many drips of... exactly life until it can't, that it overfloweth. And that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And that's when you get all the symptoms, diseases, conditions. Yeah. And I'm glad that you said life instead of toxins, because your bucket can handle so much of that is because it can be mental, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual besides the physical stressors. Right? So if you've got those other things happening, if you've got adverse childhood events or adverse life events that we're going to get to in a little bit where you had something happen to you throughout your life that changed the way that you looked at the world, that is all going to contribute to this bucket that you talked about that's going to make you feel worse. Yeah, absolutely. So chemicals, we just talked about those 86,000 different chemicals, and then we can go into molds. So unfortunately, about half the buildings in first world country have water damage, and most of those have molds, right? And our culture is such that we really don't believe that mold exists, or if we see it on the walls, we spray some bleach on it, which unfortunately causes the spores to go everywhere. We paint over it, or we whatever. We just ignore it. We don't think that it's a real thing. And unfortunately, women are more affected than men. So men just think they're crazy, unfortunately, right? So they're like, oh my gosh, I'm sick and we have to do $10,000 of remediation. And the husband's like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. I drink beer all day long. I never get sick, right? So not all men are drinking beer all day long, right? That's a very common analogy. I mean, in fact, I, the mold experts I've been talking to recently, Jill Krista, Michael Rubino, Brian Carr, independently, they've all obviously just like you have just said that they're like one partner is sick, the other one's not. And so that not, and it's usually the man, if it's a male, female household and they're like, I don't want to do remediation. I'm fine. And it's like, oh, it's, I get it. But also, oh, so frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have, I have a chapter in my book that says why men don't believe their wives when it comes to mold. A lot of it, the drainage pathways oftentimes live on the X chromosome. 
And so if there are issues, that can be part of it. But yeah, so that's molds. And molds are just such a huge issue. And most people don't realize that they have mold. If you ask them, usually they'll say no initially, but then they'll come back later the more times that you ask them. So I'll say, you know, is there, have you ever lived ever in a place that had a leaky roof, a busted pipe, a flood in the basement, right? Anything that's had water damage. And it doesn't, it may have happened before you moved into the place, right? You may have lived in there when you were five. Oftentimes people come back and be like, nope. And then they'll say, you know what? I went and visited my grandparents every summer and their basement flooded every winter, right? Or it always had this weird smell, right? So that is going to contribute and that just increases the total body burden. And it's unfortunate that conventionally, in fact, I just had this yesterday. I had somebody write me on social media and say, I, on an allergy test, I tested negative to mold. And therefore my doctor told me the mold in my house is not a problem for me. And I was like, oh, mm, how do you respectfully answer that one? <laughs> right. Your doctor's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And that's how we respectfully do that and say that it's not their wheelhouse or, you know, like, and that's why I'm a big fan of direct measurements. And that's why I really like urinary mycotoxin testing. And that's why I use Rupa Health for that. So it's really important to make sure you're getting the right test. And fortunately, a lot of what we're talking about today can be determined by symptoms, but there are, in fact, some of these that have to be determined by lab tests. The heavy metals, the chemicals, the molds, and a gut test, a stool test are really the big ones that I recommend that everybody get because there's too many crossover in the symptoms. So many of the other ones, and we can talk about those, have pretty significant symptoms where you can determine which cause you have. Wow, that's great. Okay, and well, definitely labs are a big question because you know everyone listening to this is gonna go, all right, how do I work this up? But after molds, what's next? After molds, we get into infections. And so like I said, molds plus infection is huge for so many of our the people in our programs. And so infections, we're looking at whether they're parasites, whether they're viruses, the newcomer on the block, COVID, or whether it's Epstein-Barr, HHV-6, or CMV. A lot of these viruses can cause monotype symptoms, whether it is yeast or whether it's a bacteria that's found in the gut, right? So those are all infections that really need to be looked at. Now, in order to get rid of infections, you have to have a somewhat intact immune system, which basically means that it can't be off here in left field dealing with heavy metals, chemicals, and molds, which is why it's so important to address those before you address the infections. Now, you can address them kind of at the same time, but you got to have stuff on board because once you start going after the infections, the toxic matrix, as I call it, is being opened up, and then the heavy metals, chemicals, molds need to be bound up in order to make sure you're not feeling worse. I love that you gave that analogy example because I see this all the time on social media where people will put my comment section or in my DMs where they're like, well, I follow this person and they said this and I follow this other person and I'm trying all the shotgun approach. I tried this, it didn't work. I tried this, I didn't work. I tried this, it didn't work. Not realizing some of these clinical pearls, like what you just said, if your immune system is over here dealing with something else, but your shotgun approach is completely facing the wrong direction just because you don't know, then of course it's not going to work. It will work eventually in the right order. It's just at the moment, it's not working. And here's why. And that's why, you know, step one in our process is assess. Yeah. <laughs> don't guess, right? Because you have to figure out which causes you have. Which one of those 20 do you have? Do you have causes two, four, six, eight, nine, whatever? Or do you have one, three, five, seven, whatever, right? So you need to figure it out. Otherwise, you're just spending lots of time and money swinging and missing, swinging and missing, right? Be like, oh, I'm going to try this. How long do I try it for, right? You don't even know. You're not even tracking any sort of metric. Right. And in my world of the world of hormones, understandably, and predominantly women would say, what's the one thing I can take for, the, for hormones or my hormones are a mess? What do I do? And they would be surprised or shocked when I'm like, well, yes, hormones could be the cause of your symptoms. What's the cause ultimately behind your hormones? And let's start there. Because if you have like, let's, for example, say, you know, low estrogen, low progesterone, low testosterone, male or female, it doesn't matter. It's the immediate response is not always, we'll just replace it. Could be, but like why? Other than maybe aging, menopause, et cetera. But you know, if you're dealing with a lot of infections, infections are affecting your reproductive system, then it's ultimately not a hormone issue. It's ultimately an infection issue. And so by I love this breakdown because I'm hoping people will stop saying, well, what's the one thing I can take? Kara <laughs> gave me the one thing that will raise my testosterone. I'm like, well, 
I testosterone, but you still have to figure out why. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And one thing I did forget to mention on the infections is Lyme. Yes. The stealth infections, Borrelia, Bartonella, Babesia, Ehrlichia, Anaplasma. And we can talk more about those symptoms later because those can really be determined based off of symptoms. You don't have to necessarily wait for the labs on those. And do you find that a lot of people, especially where we live in the Pacific Northwest, say, well, it can't be Lyme. I don't live on the East Coast. Sure. And yet... Yep. Have you ever been bitten by a mosquito? Have, you know, were you born of your mother? Are you a mammal, right? Are you, have you ever kissed anybody? Like all these things, these are all ways, blood transfusion. Like there's so many different ways that we can acquire these different infections. Have you been licked in the face by your dog? <laughs> right? Do you live with a cat? Did your cat scratch you? So. And this is, we don't learn these things in school, right? Nobody says in middle school or high school, like, hey, here, you know, health 101, here's some things to be on the lookout for. We barely get taught about reproduction and other than the P goes in the V and if that's how you make a baby, that's about all we learn. Right. But imagine if we started really young and some of these really good, just basic health information, how to take care of ourselves, what to do when we feel run down, just these, you know, we're getting sick. I just wish this information was out there because then hopefully we wouldn't get as progressed as people are to 20 plus causes of fatigue, extreme 10 out of 10 fatigue, chronic disease, autoimmune, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. And here we are. Yeah. And I think the challenge is too, is that people have to be more empowered these days. They have to have a greater understanding. But the thing is too, is that what if you could have a mentor from day one who's able to walk you and your family? You can keep them in the back pocket. You can ask the questions that you need because there's no way, unless you're in this field, there's no way to stay on top of it where we're looking at the research every single day and then working with all these people so that we can have the best protocols. So I definitely encourage people to find a mentor that works for you and your family and that you can access regularly with questions. That's why we have our group program. So daily questions, we guarantee they're answered in 48 hours, face-to-face time with me in a group format twice a month, three times a month. So we want to make sure that people are supported, but you just have to find a mentor who you resonate with, who has the knowledge that you want, so you can ask the questions and get your needs met. And be mindful of medical gaslighting. There's a whole article in my company today, actually, a lot of us have been going back and forth about an article that came out about medical gaslighting. And what that means is basically getting blown off. You present with a problem. I'm extremely fatigued. I'm really struggling. And it's, you get a few basic random blood works run. You're told you're normal. And then it's like, well, you're just stressed or well, you're a new mom, which is commonly what I saw in my, told in my practice that, you know, these, because I saw a lot of females and hormones here, take this antidepressant here, take this pill, right? Here, take the birth control pill. And that's medical gaslighting. When you're like, hold on, no, I really think something is wrong and you should listen to me. So I'm a big fan of empowering people to say, to stand up for themselves and say, no, or just find a new practitioner. And I say this a lot as well. If you have a primary care, it doesn't mean they're the end all be all. You might need a team of people to meet your needs, depending what your needs are. And you may, for example, my OBGYN, I like my OBGYN. She's a good OBGYN as far as OBGYNs go. Do I call her for functional medicine stuff? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I have somebody on my team for that. And so I use her for what she's great for and then have somebody else on my team for other things. And I like to tell people who are listening, give them permission. It's one, it's okay to fire your practitioner if they're not working for you. And two, it's okay to have more than one. So important. I'm so glad that you brought that up. Having a team. I mean, whether or not, whether you have a team in your personal life, right? If you have, like, what do you have for your kid, right? You've got teachers, right? That's essentially a team that's educating your child, right? You need the same for your health. Like you mentioned, like, I'm not the guy to reset your bone, right? If you break your leg, you go to the emergency room, right? I'm not trained in that. So you just need to figure out who those people are in your world and make sure that you've got them when you need them. Right. Absolutely. We did heavy metals and chemicals and molds and infections. And then there's allergies, foods and inhalants, and there's negative emotional patterns. So any trauma, whether it's little T trauma, like I had rejection from a peer group, relationship with my parents, even though they were there and they loved me or whatever, or big T where you've got really significant abuse, physical, mental, emotional, sexual, whatever, 
all those things are going to affect the way that you look at the world. And if the world becomes an unsafe place or it increases stress on the human organism, it is negatively going to affect your health moving forward. In fact, the more of those little T's and big T's that you have, the more likely you are to have more of a serious chronic illness as you get older. And that's been proven in the research. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the last thing is electromagnetic fields. So anything that you can plug into a wall, has a battery, can emit a frequency, has particular radiation that can negatively affect the DNA in your body, damage it, lead to potential cancer, immune system dysfunction, et cetera. So once again, it's just all those things that are in your body, in your life, that aren't supposed to be there. And there's tricks and tips for all of them. The right covers for your phone or the Faraday cage that you can put around your bed or put over your router or cover your smart meter outside. Like there's a lot of different tips and tricks that you can do. And there are a lot more people that are sensitive to EMF than ever before. People who've like finally realized, so, you know, it used to be a couple of years ago, they would get made fun of, laughed at. And now when people go, you know, I could really tell EMF, it really makes a big difference in my health, my symptoms, my sleep, my energy, my, my autoimmune, my chronic disease symptoms, whatever it is. And I love that. I love that that education and information is coming out and people aren't afraid to go. Yeah, it's really affecting me. I've noticed a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So back to my question, assess. Yes, assess. Assess. So step one of the four-step energy MD method is to assess. So fortunately, of these 33 different causes, 75% of those can be determined by symptoms, 25% need the labs, and you need to figure out which of those 20-plus causes you have. Whether you have fatigue or not, this is a good practice for everybody to go through because the same causes of fatigue are also the causes of diseases of longevity. So heart attack, heart disease, stroke, Alzheimer's, cancer, autoimmunity, all of those things are dealing with these toxicities as causes, right? So my lens is just through looking at fatigue, but removing these toxins out of your body is going to be beneficial no matter where you are from a preventive standpoint. And when you talk about assess, you mentioned certain lab work, lab tests that you like to do earlier that I want to bring back again. So obviously these tests aren't for everybody every time per se, but say it again, the ones that you lean on when you're looking for assessment. Yep. And unfortunately, most of these can be determined by uh, home kit. So when we look at the deficiencies, the ones that we really need labs for are blood tests for things like thyroid, though it's not, so it is optional initially, at least we do what's called a thyroid subjective ramp up. But I do like to see labs for thyroid, iron, ferritin and total iron binding capacity are the big ones, and B12 and folate and vitamin D. Do you do B12 itself or do you do MMA or do you do both? I just do B12. Okay. And they're all imperfect markers, but yeah, that's what I do. And then in terms of the toxicities, we're looking at urine heavy metals with a DMSA provocation. And I do like doctor's data for that, though I have been playing around with Vibrant. And then urine mycotoxins with either Vibrant or... Great Plains Labs, urine chemicals with Great Plains Labs or Vibrant, urine glyphosate with the same companies, and then the stool test with GI MAP or the Gut Zoomer 3.0 with Vibrant. Okay. All right. So going back for those who don't know, would you explain the DMSO provocation, what that means? Absolutely. So DMSA is a binder. It's a chelating agent. And so when we're looking at a lot of these toxins, we want to, with some of them, heavy metals in particular, the heavy metals are going to be bound to tissue. They're going to be to organs, different parts of the body, not necessarily found in the blood or urine. So you have to pull them out into the bloodstream in order to be able to collect it through the kidney into the urine. Otherwise, you're not going to get a good test. Now, with some of the other tests, generally you can just do some exercise for 30 minutes or get a lymph massage to try to dump some of them, but you don't necessarily need a provoking agent in order to push it out of the tissues, even though oftentimes it lives in there, but for the most part, you can get a really good sample just by collecting the urine. And of the tests you mentioned, what percent of people do you guess need more than one? Everybody that I see needs all those. All of them. Okay. That's what I was curious about. But I'm asking them for testing on four or five causes out of the 33 that we're looking at. You know what I mean? So 
it's I try to keep things more economical. They'll spend about $1,500 over the course of a year on these lab tests. And they're not lab tests that you have to get initially because 27 different causes you can assess based off of your symptoms. You don't have to necessarily get it. So it's all about making sure, I mean, it would be great if you can, but it's all about, are you going to be overwhelmed in this process? And so you want to make sure you get the kit, you have the time to budget so that you can read the instructions, but then you don't have five kits that have been delivered to you. And now you're like completely overwhelmed and you're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do these kits? And for those listening, it applies to practitioners too. I probably have six kits sitting on my kitchen counter downstairs. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I just want to admit that out loud. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We are just as guilty as getting overwhelmed and not having the time to collect, even though we know we need to for our own health. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. It took me a long time for me to do my collections, but I have to generally like put it right on my desk so that I'm looking at it every day and I don't like a ton of clutter. My wife would probably disagree with me on that, but it needs to be like in my way so that I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. But oftentimes that's kind of like what my weekend is for is to plan it out and be like, okay, now I know I'm going to do this test on Monday morning, but I know how to do it. And then I can ship it off to FedEx or whatever. Excellent. All right. So now we've assessed, we've done step one. We've assessed what comes next. So what comes next may surprise you. No, I'm just kidding. It's replacing the deficiencies. So we talked about this process being in the toxins are most important. They cause the deficiencies, but you have to become more robust in order to be able to get rid of the toxins. We have to prepare the body for it. And it's stressful removing the toxins out of the body. So you got to make sure the adrenals are well-supported. And the thyroid is well-supported because everything works better when thyroid is optimized. What's the best anti-cholesterol medication? It's thyroid. What lowers blood pressure? It's thyroid. What decreases inflammation? It's thyroid, right? So we optimize the thyroid and then we optimize the mitochondria, which is so important in the absorption of hormones into the cells, increases your energy. And we call those the big three, the adrenals, the thyroid, and the mitochondria, because they make really big shifts for folks and they set them up for success. And then the rest of it is the lifestyle habits, which most of the people who come to see me, they've already done a lot of lifestyle habits. So oftentimes they just need some tweaks and some support on getting, make sure they're getting enough water, they're uh, eating enough good food or the right foods, they're getting enough sleep, and they're getting enough movement. Now that with the movement and with a lot of this stuff, You might hear me in some of my videos talk about the Goldilocks dose. So there's an ideal dose. Like for people who are fatigued, we don't want you exercising a whole bunch. We want you exercising or moving. I say movement, I don't say exercise. We want you to get some movement in order to move the lymph. And movement is the panacea for everything. You can find research to support pretty much any condition that is supported by movement, right? So we want movement, but if you move too much, you're going to feel worse. So you got to find that Goldilocks dose. Same thing goes for the water. Same thing goes for the food. And then, of course, same thing goes for the sleep. So that's all the deficiencies. Okay. All right. And then the next step. And then the next step is to open up the drainage pathways. So in order to be able to remove the toxins in step four, we've got to make sure they've got a place to go. So whether it's a slide coming out of the body or a tube, however you want to think about it, these tubes are clogged. The more toxins you have, the more clogged they are. And when you're fatigued, you've got lots of clogs. And so we got to open that up. And we got to open that up with the liver, the intestines, the kidneys, the lymph, which is the garbage system of the body, the neurolymph, which is in the brain, the bile, which is right next to the liver and the gallbladder. So all of those areas need to be opened up so that when you go to grab the heavy metal chemical mold or infection and you pull it into one of those pathways, it actually has a place to go to get out of the body. And I, this is not commonly taught conventionally, right? Like we, they'll learn and, and you often hear the pushback. I hear the pushback. I'm sure you do too. Your liver is a perfect system. Its job is to detoxify. So there's nothing you need to do to help it along further. And I'm like, okay, first of all, <laughs> please. Because again, it's back to the bucket analogy. I mean, the liver is doing its dang best every day. But as you have mentioned, the thousands of chemicals just as a starting point that is having to work through, let alone everything else. And then when I lecture, I often show a picture of the different phases in that the liver detoxification. And each of these phases of detoxification require a lot of vitamins and nutrients that you have to get from foods 
or supplements. But if in your going through your steps, if you have a deficiency, then your liver is going to try its best. But if it's missing or deplete in certain nutrients to get from step one to step two or step two to step three, then it's just not going to work. So while it's trying to be a perfect system, I understand why some people push back on that thought process. It, there's, the liver is a, this super cool organ that requires a lot to make it process. So yes, it can get, quote, clogged or sluggish. And yes, it can have a lot of issues because of the sheer amount of vitamins and nutrients needed to keep it going. And it drives me nuts when I see that on social media of people who push back and go, you don't need to do anything about your liver. I'm like... It's like a filter. If you wait too long on changing a filter in your car or whatever, you know, when you look at it, it looks like crud, right? It's nasty and full of stuff. And that's essentially what the kidney and the liver are. They're filters, right? So it's really important to get them the support that they need. And if you think about what happens in conventional medicine with toxicity, when somebody takes too much Tylenol, and just as a side note, people take normal doses of Tylenol Every year, it still kills people. People are being killed by normal doses of Tylenol. If it had to be assessed today by the FDA, it wouldn't be passed. So just be very cautious with Tylenol. But if somebody has a Tylenol toxicity, what do they use? They use N-acetylcysteine, which is a precursor to glutathione, in order to clean out the liver, right? So they understand that there is toxicity. They're just not aware of, they're just not opening their mind to more global toxicity of all these other things that we're talking about that can clog the liver. Even toxicity people don't think of as toxicity, like alcohol. And the amount of alcohol consumption that went up astronomically during the pandemic. And that goes right to the liver, along with everything else that you've just added on. So just be aware of these micro decisions that are made every day have macro impact. Mm, so good. Micro decisions having macro <laughs> impact. I love that. It's like tiny habits. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Attach a habit to another habit and you're a lot more likely to do that habit. Yes. Perfect. So that's step three. And then step okay. four is removing the toxins, making sure that you are addressing heavy metals, chemicals, and molds as you deal with the infections. While at the same time, you're also dealing with The mindset, I forgot to talk about that in deficiencies, an energy mindset is a big part of our program where we have four steps that that we recommend that people do every single day as part of their daily practice. And then there's the emotional work with our trauma coaches that we have on staff to work on the negative emotional patterns in addition to all the other physical stuff that we've talked about today. So when I'm listening to this, and you said it right in the very beginning, like you're saying a lot of this, it's not to overwhelm people, but it's definitely to show them there's more out there than, quote, here, take this pill. It's just an antidepressant. Take an antidepressant, it'll help. But there is some work involved because it took time and work to get here. It's going to take time and work to undo all this. But the great thing is there's so much light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, when you read your testimonials, it's like your own testimonial. I mean, you're before, when you were super fatigued to where you are now. It's amazing. Yeah. And that's, you're exactly right. And that's why we tell everybody it's going to take you at least 12 months when they join our program. Like we're not, we're in here for the long term, right? We understand it's going to be 12, 24, 36, something like that. And it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. If you work on all these different causes and you continue down that path, you're going to be successful. And what's it like to invest a couple of years I mean, essentially, you're getting a master's degree in your education, that in your health, rather, a master's degree in your health that then you can take with you for the rest of your life and have the next 50 years be amazing, right? Because you know how to deal with everything that's coming your way. You're wearing a mask over here. You're making sure when you're staying in this place, if you smell mold, you go to the hotel and you say, hey, I need a different room. Like, Whatever it is, you have a lot more understanding that then you can share with your family, share with your kids, make sure that they are healthy growing up. Because unfortunately, they say that our kids are going to be the first generation that doesn't outlive their parents. Wow. Yeah. So unfortunately, humans are just getting sicker because of this increase in exposure that we're having. And so the more knowledge that you can have, the more that you can invest right now in your education, the better off that you're going to be long term. And again, so many people listening have probably had like, chronic conditions for years, for years. I mean, they've just felt awful. It's affected every aspect of their life. 
their family, their job, their personal happiness and joy, et cetera. And so to say at least 12 months, but light at the end of the tunnel, a lot of hope for a lot of people. That's amazing. Because they probably, it's speaking of medical gaslighting, they've probably been medical gaslit for years, which is why they've been suffering with this for years. They keep going to their practitioners going, you don't understand how tired I am. You don't understand the brain fog, the pain, the this, the that that I'm having. And then they're exactly, they're right where they were five years ago or 10 years ago, or it's progressed and gotten quite a bit worse. So, and I just love one, how much information you put out, which is great. But two, for people just to, on your site, on your book, et cetera. But I also love that you're not peddling a supplement. <laughs> you know, like, take this thing, it'll work. It'll cure all your, all of what ails you. And people just need to realize that that's just not possible. It's just not that easy. Not anymore, unfortunately, not in this day and age, which sucks. Yeah, and it does take a shift in mindset. Yeah, you brought up, which is great. Yeah, where people need to understand it. And I tell, you know, as part of that mindset practice, we talk about how you want to have gratitude for where you are, but then you also need to have a vision for the future, right? And then when negative thoughts pop up or things that are talking you out of the path that you're on, you need to flip it and and tell yourself why you're there and why you're doing what you're doing. And then asking yourself more positive questions so that you can, in fact, have success and give yourself the answers that your brain is searching for, but make sure they're, that they're positive answers, that they're supportive answers. That's great. Okay. So as we wrap up, there's one big topic, but I still want to touch on it because fatigue is like the number one symptom and that's the after effects of COVID. So long COVID from COVID itself, long COVID from the COVID vaccine. What are you seeing with COVID in your practice? A lot of it. Unfortunately, it's a big contributor It's causing over 250 different symptoms at this point in time. And it's a major reason why we're seeing so many young people get sick, unfortunately. 20 and 30-year-olds having heart attacks, dying on playing fields. Like, it's just kind of crazy. And some of it has to do with toxicity, and some of it has to do with a persistent virus. And that's the biggest takeaway that I want people to think about is that if you've got COVID and you have persistent symptoms that started with COVID, it means you have an active live virus. That's been shown in the research, and you have to make sure that you're addressing it. But what's interesting is the difference between somebody who ends up getting long COVID and somebody who doesn't has to do a lot with the toxicities that they already have. So if you have heavy metals, chemicals, molds, and other infections, you're a lot more likely to end up with long COVID. So pay attention to that. And I've seen other people who've had long viral stuff, like they've got mono in college, which is by... Um, Epstein-Barr, EBV is the virus we associate with that, and had a long Epstein-Barr as a result. Took him years to recover from it. So it's long fallouts from viruses are not necessarily new to us in the medical community. We are aware this is what can happen. And even with those viruses, it's exactly what you said. If you go into the virus really depleted, but full of some sort of toxicities, it's going to be harder for you compared to somebody who is rather robust, hard to kill, so to speak, without as many toxicities. Absolutely. They seem to, no matter what the virus is. Yeah. And fortunately, the one positive that's coming out of this is, and there's more than that, but COVID being a virus and causing this sort of chronic fatigue picture, a lot of people who've been struggling with chronic fatigue syndrome now say, hey, I got the same thing but mine came from a different virus, whether it's Epstein-Barr or something like that, right? So I'm hoping that some of the research that's going to be done is going to enable the support of those people as well and potentially disability claims and whatnot, and hopefully overall global change for paying attention, more attention to infections, to toxicities, so that people can get well. And are you seeing a difference in people who've gotten long COVID from COVID the virus versus COVID the vaccine? Because I have several former former patients and even some colleagues who opted to get the vaccine and they were like immediately i developed long covid fatigue being fatigue and brain fog being the primary symptoms do you see a difference in your practice between the two a little bit okay so the reality is is that they're both spike protein results when you've got long covid and so consequently you can address the spike protein by using many of the similar things that we would use for long covid but the vaccine is seeming to be harder to treat. We are having more challenges with that, but still lots of success. And we just have to, once again, remove all these toxins in addition to the spike protein. 
Yeah. I was talking to a colleague, a fellow doctor the other day who developed long COVID from the, immediately from the vaccine. And it has taken him 12 months to finally fully get his life back. Just again, to show it's also, there's hope and light at the end of the tunnel, cross your fingers, but it is a process. And he really worked at it. It's just unfortunate. It's not very mainstream on how to address this. And it's a lot of work. Like you said, it's taking supplements. It's, and oftentimes it's a wake up call. It's like, okay, what do I want my life to look like? Am I happy with my life? And how can I live a happier life? And this is an opportunity to reevaluate. Right. And for everyone listening, the reason I'm not asking Dr. Evan all the supplements that help with long COVID is because I know everyone will run out and go buy them. <laughs> we don't actually know if that's what you need. <laughs> so to just be aware. All right. So in the final moments, this is the Root Cause Medicine podcast. We have been talking about fatigue. What are the top two or three takeaways, high level that you want people to leave with before we wrap up? So I would say find your causes, pay attention to toxicities, and really interview your practitioner. Functional docs are not all created the same, right? So there are lots of people out there, I was one of them, who don't want to deal with mold, and they don't want to deal with Lyme, and they don't want to deal with long COVID, right? And so I didn't want to either, but I was forced to because of my health and then people who showed up in front of me and I had to follow that path and get educated. So make sure that you're asking that question. And when you choose a provider, if you're not getting results or they don't actually have a plan, but you're, if you're not getting results by six months, then you want to switch. You want to find somebody who you resonate with at a price point that works for you, where you're going to be able to move forward through a process and you're going to have success within that time. And I'm not saying complete resolution by six months. I'm saying knowing that you're addressing all the causes that you have and that you see improvement at that point. Our goal is for people to increase by an energy point every two months or so, where if your energy is a four out of 10, then it goes up to five out of 10, six out of 10, et cetera, until your energy is where you want it to be. And then the other thing is focus on your mindset, focus on gratitude. If there's one thing that you can start today, I would say just start a gratitude practice, three things. It can be the same things every single day. It can be, I'm grateful for my partner. I'm grateful for my kid. I'm grateful for my job. That's generally how I start. And then I just go on for all the other things that I'm grateful for. But getting into that space and feeling that gratitude is really important. I do that every day. I journal every morning. And the first thing I do is three things I'm grateful for as well. So love that. All right, Dr. Evan, where can everyone find you? Tell us all the spaces. <laughs> So I'm at energymdmethod.com, and I mostly live in my Facebook group, which is EnergyMD, formerly known as Fix Your Fatigue. You can also check out my book on Amazon, though it is several years old. All the latest up-to-date stuff is currently in our EnergyMD program, and we do have different tiers depending on what you can afford, whether you get group or whether you get one-on-ones with us. And I love having conversations with folks, so Facebook message me. Instagram message me, love to chat with you. And then we also have free calls, 20 minute calls with me to see if we're a good fit. You can find those on our website or yeah. And just hop, you know, get the help that you need, whether it's with me, somebody else, find a mentor and move forward, take action. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much for being on the Root Cause Medicine podcast. I so appreciate your wisdom and your depth of knowledge and your just willingness to share. Thanks so much for having me on. my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.